0: Excellent and welcome to the Riz Talks Money podcast and today I have the pleasure of being joined by John Chong who is the Senior Equities Research Analyst at Investing Reviews. John, you gave me a bit of blurb with regards to your position and what your company do, but I think that's best come from you. So do you want to explain your role, Is what exactly it is that you do and tell us about Investing Reviews?
1: Yeah, so uh, Investing Reviews is technically uh, an investment platform reviews page. Uh, we have plenty of reviews on there of pretty much every broker or uh, investing platform there is out there for retail investors to assess. Um, I work on the, the news side and the, and the stock side of things. So my role is, is to essentially research the stock market, present an investment case or a hold case or a sell case for certain uh, UK stock, um, and then let investors read that through the web and then decide whether they want to buy the shares um, on, on the platforms that we, that we uh, advertise.
0: Fantastic. How long yeah. have you been covering the markets for, John? um officially
1: coming up to three years now um unofficially unofficially in and out probably five years yeah
0: yeah fantastic fantastic so john thank you very much for joining uh me today john we've got a lot of things that we want to talk about and a lot of areas that we want to pick your brains and uh for us you to share your expertise on so let's talk about the bigger macro level events at the moment obviously a lot of my job and my day job is spent looking and talking about the property market and property finance in particular
1: yeah
0: why don't you give us a synopsis of what you've seen in the last year and then going forward from here onwards what you think is the outlook for the uk property market start with a nice small topic well,
1: I mean, I cover house builders as a, more specifically the, the big four slash big five your your Persimmons, your Taylor Wimpey's, your Barretts, you know. Um, but obviously the last year has been a, you know, a bit of a bloodbath. Um, when it comes to, to their bottom line, uh, everything's been cut down by you know even two thirds if you're looking at Persimmon. Um, but you know, obviously some some house builders are a little bit more resilient than others. So you're looking at the more affluent ones, um, like Berkeley. Um, who are, who've still seen drops in, in profits, but obviously slightly less than, than Persimmons, uh, who's also been demoted to the FTSE 250 as a result of that, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, I mean, higher mortgage rates, high interest rates as a result of inflation has resulted in, you know, um, lower completions and, and lower, forward, lower forward sales as a result of that. So that's no surprise. But you know, the, the outlook I, I would still think is a bit cloudy because um, you, you do have mortgage rates and swap rates coming down, as I'm sure you've, you've covered um, quite extensively over the past couple of weeks. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're still going to have to look at core inflation and services inflation and what the outlook for that is because that will be the leading indicator of, of where mortgage rates uh, head next. And um, you know, despite mortgage rates coming off their peaks, they're still way off where they were even before. I think um, when Liz trust uh, took over,
0: just so over a year ago.
1: Exactly. So um, you're gonna have to see that come down quite um, extensively before you can see any sort of, you know, life back into the market, if you will.
0: So just for context, we're recording this on the. 3rd of October uh, 2023. John, can you just explain, even though the base rate has been going up progressively and we're now at the highest level since just before the uh, credit crisis, with a high base rate, why are we seeing mortgage rates coming down, and what type of mortgage rates are we seeing coming down? And can you just explain to us the mechanics of why that's happening, even though interest rates have been rising?
1: Yeah. So um, when when you're looking at financial markets, um, banks, financial institutions, lenders, pretty much, um, you know, yeah, those sort of parties, they always look in advance of of where things go. So the expectation is that the base rate has peaked or is close to peaking anyway, and that should come down quite uh, meaningfully over the next year or two years. Uh, with the market pricing and rate cuts as soon as early next year to mid next year
0: john when they just to pull you up on one thing there sure. because i find this very fascinating yeah. when they always talk about when you're in the you hear the news or in the articles etc cetera, etc cetera, they talk about the markets yeah. who actually constitutes the markets and when you see these interest rate forecasts or these inflation forecasts and they say they were better or worse than expected yeah. who makes up the market well the market is it's, it's
1: complex, isn't it? Because um, you've got the stock market, um, which obviously has, has you know, stocks of different companies on there and you've got the, the bond market. And that I would say is more indicative of where rates uh, interest rates and, and mortgage rates head next because that's where um, sort of where the population, if you will, or, or investors, Um, or holders of of, uh, government bonds think the rate will be within the next two, three, four, five years. Um, And usually a good indicator of where rates are going to hit next, especially on the mortgage front, would be to look at the one or two year because that obviously tends to be slightly more accurate because obviously projecting five or 10 years um, further out is going to be less accurate because anything can happen within that time as you can imagine
0: okay so with regards to then feeding that through we've had especially of late people like andrew bailey coming out and saying that he expects that we're at the top of the curve and other members of the MPC uh, vote as such the meeting that was recently held was five to four in favor of keeping the rates as a hold yeah. Going forward, what's the likely, do you think that we've actually hit the peak of interest rates in the UK at the moment? Um,
1: I I tend to be an optimist myself, uh, and I've always thought that the the base rate wouldn't hit um, seven or 8% like a lot of other people do, or at least some people do. Um, and obviously as a consumer and you know living in this country I would hope so as well
0: can you imagine a base rate of seven or eight percent in this country <sighs> going from what we have
1: yeah that would Just... be it. that would be insane but historically' we're, we're I mean we, we've, we're so used to pretty much negative uh, a negative rate for, for for the longest time now or at least neutral so to see you know sort of tightening at at, at this level is sort of uh, it's strange because we haven't seen it in, what, over a decade, but, you know, going back 20, 30, 40 years, um, 4 or 5% is actually rather normal, if you will. Um, but moving forward, do I see the base rate potentially hitting 6%? I think we're, we, we've we got to look at, at two things. We've got to look at um, core inflation. So as a result of core inflation, you've got to look at wages. Um, the wage prints haven't been exactly encouraging for for inflation because you've seen um, average weekly earnings after bonuses just continuously hitting new highs every month for the past couple of months. Um, sure, that's because of you know those one-off payments to the NHS um, and public service staff, but you've got to see that taper off because otherwise that's gonna you know flow into to wage inflation, and then you've got a wage price spiral. And Andrew Bailey has gone on record, saying numerous times that core inflation is equally as important as just the baseline inflation. And speaking of the baseline inflation, you've got the more volatile uh, food and energy prices in there. And with oil now you know, still being sticky at around 90 to $100 per barrel, although it's come off that uh, a little bit, um, I think yesterday, I haven't checked it today yet, but yeah still around the $90 mark, um, that will eventually feed into core inflation as well because it takes time. So it takes about three to six months, sometimes even nine months uh, before that flows into wages and it becomes a spiral. And according to analysts in, on, on Bloomberg and, and Reuters and you know the reports that, that you read in the media, this could have anywhere between a sort of like a to 0.5 percent impact on on the overall inflation rate
0: when do you think we're likely to see inflation drop i know rishi's made it part of his pledge to get inflation down to five percent and there were rumors over the weekend that the conservatives are planning their general election when they've got it closer to three percent we keep on having this conversation about inflation falling and Uh, certain factors, people taking uh, credit for inflation uh, falling when it was going to fall naturally anyway. How long are we between now and this getting close to the 2% target in your view? And this 2% construct, from my understanding, originated in New Zealand uh, some years ago. Why should countries aim for a 2% rate of inflation? Because that number seems to govern everything from there onwards.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, to answer your first question, which is when I think, you know, it's gonna fall. If I could tell you I wouldn't be here, I would probably be sitting in the Bahamas being a millionaire, so. And I'd be sitting next to you. Yeah, well, exactly, there you go. Um, And uh, it's it's difficult, uh, but I I will say that it will come down eventually because, you know, the The solution for highest prices is high prices, and everything will crash eventually. Um, the hope is that it won't crash so badly to a point where we we plunge into a recession. Uh, and and the Bank of England obviously will hope that that we get a soft landing, if you will. When it will get to to you know three percent even is the bank of england thinks that will happen within the next year or at least in the most two years Um, but again going back to the point it all comes down to two things you're going to look at wages you're going to have to look at at oil prices because those two things are going to govern the rest of how inflation is being calculated uh, and prices as a whole Um, so what was your second question again
0: (coughs) my uh, second question uh, which even I've forgotten at the moment, so don't worry. Oh, about the two percent. Why yeah, two right, percent? Right, right. Why two
1: percent? Honestly, Riz, I have um, no idea, but I can give you. Uh, I mean, based off the language of. I mean, mm. plenty of journalists have asked this question at, at press conferences to the Federal Reserve in the U.S. and obviously to to the governors here in in England as well. Um, based off that two percent seems to be historically what is the sweet spot between growth and malaise so what you have with let's say sub one percent inflation is you have just stagnant growth because nothing is growing people can't grow their top line or bottom lines as efficiently two percent is sort of like what is seen to be steady growth now why not you know three percent or four percent then I think the other sort of answer to that is that when it gets into that territory, you sort of, it sort of becomes a snowball effect where you see higher prices, you sort of panic a little bit, and then you increase your prices and somebody else increases their prices and then it starts to snowball from three to four to 5%. And that's what we saw um, over the past couple of years, the past two years more specifically. Um, and 2% seems to be that sort of ceiling where, yes, we see growth, but not out of hand growth.
0: So, John, back in May, I was, at, uh, was invited to a meeting, and the, one of the Bank of England's regional representatives was there. And I had the same conversation with him. And I said, Look, what do you actually want to see for interest rates to start coming down? Because I said, If I'm an employer and people keep on coming to me for wage increases, and there's a shortage of labour in the market, I'm going to have to keep on pandering to them. But essentially, you're going to come to a point whereas if the economy deteriorates and there's no longer that business, not only can I not keep on supporting these consistent wage rises, I'm turning around as an employer, looking at headcount, saying, well, do I really need this number of people there? So you can go from an area of high and persistent wage inflation to the economy turning very quickly to high unemployment. And from my take, from my conversation with him, I was under the impression that they'd want to see the employment numbers turn, and technically for unemployment to rise, before they ever came up with any type of rescue package. And the conversation was, if interest rates are high and you cut them it can have an effect in the economy if you maintain interest okay. rates at a low level and you cut them it's not going to have um, much impact when do you think that turn will be with regards to you analyze the markets on a day-to-day basis you analyze companies health etc how far are we from that turn in the market and potentially the UK entering into recession well the
1: I, I think the bigger question is whether the UK will enter a recession okay. right um don't forget that 75 to 80% of the UK economy, or the UK GDP is actually made out of services. Um, so, the manufacturing sector, which is the rest of the you know, uh, 20, 25% of the economy, has been in a technically a recession for, for over the past year and a half. Uh, if you look at the PMI indicators, uh, which is a survey that's sent out to all the manufacturing or most manufacturing companies to ask what the outlook is or how their business is doing. It's been in contraction territory for the past 18 months or so. Um, but the services front has has held up quite well. Um, and that's obviously thanks to a combination of, you know, furlough pay that people have access savings back in the day, uh, during COVID when they were getting furloughed, like I said, um, and obviously persistent wage increases as well. I think the, poten- the, the talk of a potential recession will probably come when those wages start to taper off that wage growth starts to taper off and rates are still held at this relatively high level. Um, and you've also got mortgage rates. Um, most mortgages in this country, as, you, as I'm sure you know, are fixed. Um, and when those terms start to expire and we keep those rates high for longer, people who you know, renewed for five years in, back in 2020 uh, or 2019, they're going to see their rates you know just skyrocket from here. And that's going to squeeze their discretionary income, and that's going to feed into services as a result. And then, then you have that sort of uh, gray area where hmm, we, might, we might be entering a recession now. Well, and on that point, actually, you could technically argue that the UK has been in some sort of a recession, but it's a really strange one because unemployment hasn't ramped up to six, seven, eight percent yet. Um, but growth has been stagnant. I think prior to this quarter, the Q two numbers just came out. Um, GDP was north and south of not point for the past four or five quarters.
0: Virtually nothing, then yeah.
1: Exactly, um, and you, if you take the inflation rate into account, that's technically the, the amount of real growth, if you will, um, which also GDP still counts for. But you know, it, it's it feels like a recession on that on that part. Yeah.
0: So from our side, obviously we're having regular conversations with people who are, are rolling off historic low rates, yeah. they're taking the prevailing rates, which as you mentioned, is going to impact in their disposable income. Yeah. Do you foresee any event that could happen that could result us going back into the rates where you could get mortgages for two or five year money for circa one, two, three percent in the future?
1: Um, depends how far in the future you're projecting into. I would say the next
0: three to five years? Five years,
1: maybe in five years, there, there is a possibility. I wouldn't rule it out. Maybe two to three years, maybe not, because I think that there's always going to be that little bit of inflation that still lingers around because uh, once inflation becomes entrenched into the overall economy, as you could argue has been with wages rising so high, it's going to take a very long time to get that out of the system. Um, but five years, I think it's a possibility. Why do I say that? Um, well, because over the past, uh, I mean, pre-pandemic, if you take out the, the economic boom that we experienced uh, in 2015 or 2017, if I'm not mistaken, um, if you look at just overall averages from 08, from the GFC up till 2022, 2023, UK growth has technically been flat. Or rather flat in real terms. And if you look at it more specifically, wage growth, that's been negative as well. So the UK is, you know, prior to the revised GDP figures, known to be the sick man of the G7, Um, which you could argue actually still is because the rest of the G7 countries haven't even revised their GDP figures. And I'm not sure if you know this, but. The reason why the GDP figures came in higher than expected is because they took on a new accounting method to calculate GDP. Now, the other countries haven't done that. So in the context of the rest of the G7, when they eventually do that, we could, we could still end up looking like the sick man of Europe.
0: Just changing the rules of the game to make yeah. it look slightly prettier. Yeah. John, do you think there's anything the UK could have done to not be in such a, in my opinion, catastrophic position I can't remember when the outlook for UK PLC was as gloomy as this is as it is at the moment do you think anything could have been done to uh, prevent this from happening and moreover as a country if you were in charge if you had the top job job top job John what would you do to get us out of this mess well what, I'm what not a John
1: do? I mean I'm not a politician I'll so you, John. you know oh well thank you that's very kind um, but you know I, I, at the end of the day i'm I'm still not a politician uh neither am i a, a businessman um just an analyst, so I can only speak from from what I see in the data that I have uh, or what works in theory. you know at the end of the day, economics is just a whole kerfuffle of nothing makes sense. most of the stuff in textbooks haven't made sense over the past year so um, What I would probably do is, is try to reinvigorate growth. And I think the only way that you can do that, or one of the best ways you can do that is through foreign investment. Um, it's almost as if the government is sort of disincentivizing foreign investment with how high the rates are going. Um, take, for example, house builders, right? You've got a, a tremendous shortage in, shortage in this country um, which is why prices have been so high for so long, and the income ratio with regards to the average house price has only widened over the past two three decades. Um, and if you want to really resolve this issue, you've got to, you know, lower tax rates for house builders. Um, they just added a residential lower tax, tax rates tax rate. for house
0: builders. Yeah so, so that they can think, build more. John, let me, let me just add something in here. Sure, now, sure. From 2008, the level of support that's been given to national house builders through schemes like help to buy and the yeah. incentives has massively supported that market more than any, Than, in my opinion, yeah. to that extent, and the continuation. Yeah. And you still have the majority of power in the hands of the relative you. So your suggestion would be to decrease tax on house builders. Um, well, yes.
1: Um, I mean, what? obviously, well, I was going to get to the second point, uh, which is that you've got uh, a huge amount of red tape that that goes into house building. So before you can get into house building, you've got to seek approval from the council who's got to consult the rest of the people, which is fine in, the, you know, um, in, in that sense. Uh, because obviously the people have a right to to say what gets built in the in the um, borough and the council as well. Sure. But you know it's it's sort of like a double edged sword because you know on the other hand you've, you're pre- you're preventing a lot of of land, a potential land that could be capitalised to build houses on, from being built, and that's been a sort of an issue. And they've got the net neutrality rules that just recently got scraped as well. And I just see that taxes are also an additional thing that's hindering more houses from being built. I mean, obviously, I could be wrong, which is why I say I'm not a politician. But on those, on, on the latter two points, I would still stand by wholeheartedly because that, that sort of red tape is essentially the the issue that's been hindering houses from being built en masse.
0: So I get your point about the amount of red tape and regulation in planning and that whole process. That's very... Uh out of date in my opinion, but how does that feed into the taxation position of house builders? Well, I'll just say that taxes are just equally
1: as, um, acts as equal, equally as much of a hindrance as those two, um, as those two things. I, the reason I say that is because as a business, you wanna make more money if you've got taxes they're stopping you from earning more money, then that's always going to stop you from from building more houses especially in especially in this environment that we're in right now where you have you know lower um, lower for, forward sales as a result of that. and you as a house bidder, you're thinking, okay, if I really want to earn more money, right I've got to wait wait this period out before I, I, I fully utilize my sales team to get in more sales at a higher purchasing point. Rather than okay, now we've got a period of lower tax rates. Why don't we build more houses, try to bring in more profits, and then if you really want to to build to put the tax back in, bring it back in when rates are much lower and demand skyrocketing.
0: Not sure I agree with you there, John. That's all right. That's I th- all right. Th- I, th- I think the politician in me uh, would say that. I think this can be relatively easily. Sorted out, but you've got two problems, John. Say, let's say, market rates normalized, etc., etc., and we want to build an extra hundred thousand houses. John, where is the labor force? Where is the skilled labor force after the B word? uh where would we find the people to do that you've got some you know people in the trades who at the moment due to a shortage of supply their rates have gone up phenomenally and market forces allow them to command what they need where would the people be to build those houses john yeah no no
1: no yeah completely agree with you um labor shortages have have been an issue um that's one of the reasons why inflation is so um, high while least wage inflation has gone up so much
0: and how much of inflation do you attribute to the b word john Oh.
1: I mean, I can't give you a specific figure, but I'm, I'm sure it's certainly there as, a, as an indirect result of it because you've got you know longer queues um, on the immigration front uh, or even importing or exporting goods in and out of the country. Um, fewer people want to come in or do come in because of that as well. Then you've got a shortage of labor that drives up uh, wages because you've got a labor shortage and people can't look for people to, to work. So they've got to offer higher wages as a result and then you have high inflation.
0: Now, John, you spend your time and your days analyzing and crunching the numbers yeah. and looking at these companies and their accounts in very 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 uh, fine detail yeah. what trends are you seeing uh, uh, what sectors are having any issues or what's your outlook going forward uh, for let's say the next 3 to 6 months where do you think the industries that are going to suffer coming from where do you think the opportunities lie um
1: well Opportunities wise, um, for if you're an investor, I would say that you might want, want to look at, especially for the long term investors, you want to look at house builders because there's always going to be that that huge disconnect between supply and demand, and that's only going to improve the the outlook from from here on now. Three to six months time, it's a very difficult time frame to give you, especially in this current market environment, macroeconomic environment, because like I said earlier, inflation could go in any direction. Hell, this month's print, which is September's print, um, when oil prices actually ticked up meaningfully, could actually see a surprise. And then all that progress that we've seen over the past four or five
0: weeks, is gonna get undermined. The mortgage rates are gonna shoot back up. That's why I keep on saying, John, I think at the moment, we're in this window where to get to the data that we've had that led to the whole decision we had all the ducks line up so to speak. Okay the wage data wasn't really where we wanted it to be but everything fell in place. I completely agree that between now and the end of the year and we've got two more MPC meetings, uh, monetary policy committee meetings coming up, all it takes is for the data to skew the other way and with regards to oil production Saudi's got no intention because they're obviously the biggest player of pumping out more when they've yeah. got their own ambitious plans that they want to finance. Mm. I think that we might have another potential rise in November and December. What do you think?
1: Um, a potential rise in the, the base, base rate? rate. Um, yes, I, I wouldn't rule it out. And I think, I, I think if you look at market probabilities, they're probably not ruling it out either. Um, so it depends. Well, well, we'll see tomorrow. I think they've got a meeting tomorrow as to whether they're gonna cut it or not. Uh, well, cut production by another, or hold the production until they have an invite when... to that meeting, John. Well, they should.
0: Been waiting for the invite.
1: Yeah, <laughs> maybe you could get a get a word in there and uh, give them some incentive to to not cut for the sake of uh, you know our bills and and whatnot. Um, but uh, in terms of, of, of threats moving forward, yeah, I think it, it ultimately all goes back to, to that um, and and the amount of employment that we can we can get into this country. Uh, it doesn't help that the number of sick people or people who are declaring themselves sick anyway um, have has risen since since COVID, as you can imagine. And productivity has been low as a result of that. And you've got to get more people in, and it just becomes in you know a, a cycle in of itself. So yes, you you the Bank of England wants to see unemployment tick up, but as long as un, you, you could you could have it both ways. You could have unemployment stick around at four 4.85 percent whatever it is uh, but the employment numbers take up as long as that's okay the wage the amount of wage growth should start to taper off and when that starts to taper off you can see the bottom line of a lot of uh, FTSE 100 or FTSE 250 companies start to come back because they don't have to issue radical um, wage increases anymore.
0: My final question for you John before I let you go I personally think that with regards to the activity levels in the housing market at the moment, yeah. following the nationwide House price Index come out yesterday yeah. and tell us where you know prices have uh, dropped, uh, yeah. uh, price, house prices have dropped. I see this market limping in to 2024. The issue that we've got and what we're seeing and other colleagues of mine are in the property industry is we seem to have an abundance of sellers. Uh, but the buyers are sitting on their hands and are few and far between. So for that reason, I'm ex- not not expecting anything major to happen yeah. with regards to recovery in the housing market yes. for the rest of this year and probably limping into next year. What are your thoughts, John?
1: No, I completely agree with you on that. Um, I, I don't see, I don't see, um, uh, I see a slight recovery, if anything, like you said, limping all the way into 2024 perhaps. Um, but I think that there might be a potential, that a slight potential recovery from, from mid to end 2023 onwards uh, if the base rate starts to decrease. 24 uh, onwards, you mean? Uh, mid 2020, yeah, 24 onwards, yes. Um, so the reason I say that is because now you have house prices that are much lower than what they were, well, not much lower, but a little bit lower than what they were last summer. Let's say you've got mortgage rates that are coming down and will probably come down if the base rate peaks and if 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 inflation continues to to come down uh, and more importantly you've got real wages still quite high so you've got positive real wages now um, you've got declining mortgage rates and you've got declining house prices that that should provide a little bit of a tailwind it's not gonna we're not gonna see. 50 to 100% upticks and completions or order books anytime soon, don't get me wrong. But I wouldn't rule out a positive order book moving forward as the house builders go into 25.
0: Just to clarify, you positive order book, what exactly are you referring to there?
1: Uh, positive order book growth.
0: Okay, fine. Okay. Yeah. Cool. John, thank you very much for taking the time out today and sharing your views. I know I've kept you longer than I said ah, that I all right. would. Pleasure's on mine. John, Senior Equity Research Analyst at Investing Reviews. Thank you very much for your time. I'm sure we will speak again in the future. And please join us next time for our next episode of Riz Talks Money. Thank you.
1: Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.